Tackling your business's finance to-dos can be daunting enough without being slowed down by QuickBooks. More like slow books. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one financial system, no matter how big your business grows. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite right now. That's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to episode number 28 of the Profitology Podcast with my guest, Joel Com, the functional futurist. Welcome to the Profitology Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly O'Neill. Profitpreneurs are rewriting the rules for entrepreneurial business success in how they operate and scale their businesses, make more money, and design their businesses to give them more unplugged time in the process. Each week, join me for insightful and candid interviews with the most brilliant business minds, celebrity influencers, and fellow profitpreneurs who are disrupting the status quo and are going to leave you inspired to rewrite the rules in your own business. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Profitology Podcast. I want to thank all of you for subscribing, listening, and leaving your reviews. This has been such a phenomenal year in our company and for our clients in business, and I hope it has been for you as well. We are just about to hit 30 episodes here of the Profitology Podcast, and excited to bring you an all-new season in 2020. But today, I have my good friend, Joel Com here, and you are not going to want to miss this episode. He and I talked about where business is going right, where it's going wrong, the impacts, both positive and negative, of social media, and how he has really built his brand by not having a brand at all in the world. For those of you who don't know, Joel is a New York Times bestselling author, a blockchain enthusiast, a podcast host, a professional keynote speaker, a social media strategist, and a futurist. And also, he likes to call himself an eternal 12-year-old, and you'll hear about why he does that in the interview. With over two decades of experience harnessing the power of the web and publishing and social media, He has expanded his reach and engaged in active relationship marketing. He is a public speaker who is sought out uh, for very large conferences where he comes and shares his knowledge about all things future related. You are not going to want to miss this episode. It is so fantastic. I had such a great conversation with Joel. So grab a pen and paper or get ready to take some notes for our interview with Joel Kahn. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Profitology Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly O'Neill, and I am here with my good friend, Joel Kahn, who is known as the Functional Futurist. Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. Although sometimes I think it should be called the Dysfunctional Futurist. I mean, you know whatever works for you. <laughs> awesome. So first of all, let's start there. What, why, don't, why do people call you the functional futurist? 
Um, well, I, I, it's, so it's a name I gave myself, right? It's marketing, you know, because I look at what I've done in my career and I've always seemed to be ahead of the curve. And it's not because I'm so smart or brilliant. It's because I always like to play with all the new toys. You know, I want to try things and I'm curious and, and I take risks. And by doing so, I found myself in one interesting uh, position after another where I figured something out. And others then want to know, well, how did you do that? And so where there's a lot of futurists that are more, you know, hypothetical, and they're talking about flying cars and, you know, we're going to be on hoverboards and, and we won't have phones anymore. We'll have eyeglasses that will be our phones. I'm actually doing the things that people, most people aren't yet doing. So that's what makes me a functional futurist. I love that. You know, I don't know if you know, my background is actually in uh, tech PR and we love early adopters because you guys are the ones that really drive the innovation forward and make a, make a name uh, for all of the products and services that people are putting out in the world. If you, you know, if you look at your bio and, and for those of you who, um, you know, are checking Joel out, you are like the truest definition of an entrepreneur in that, you know, everything from social media, you're a, you know, a well-known and sought after speaker, but you're also involved in blockchain and you've created a book on fun and, you know, you've got your little ka-ching, isn't it a ka-ching toy? You've got it. Everyone needs one of those. Everyone needs one of those, Joel. I'm totally going there and ordering those. So what is it, what is it that it's the heart of what it is that you really do? You know, that's a really good question. And and I don't know that I do one thing. And I think that's one of the things that's contributed to the various successes that I've had. Here's what I know for sure. I'm a total nerd. I always have been. I love technology and I love trying out the new things. And so it means it doesn't define me um, in one area, you know, some people write a book, write books on leadership, and that's all they do. Some people write about Facebook ads, and that's all they do. But in my career, I've built sites, I've sold sites, I've blogged, I've done videos, I've done live videos, I've put on shows, I've done podcasting, I speak, you know, I've written on a, a number of different topics. And, uh, you know, in the cryptocurrency arena, and most, so what it really comes down to is I do me right? I figure out what's interesting to me. What sandbox do I want to play in? And what is interesting? You know, what, where do I think I can bring the most value at any given time? And that continues to change. And so, you know, if you were to tell me three years ago that talking today, I'd have one of the top cryptocurrency podcasts, I'd say, what? I don't know anything about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but yet here I am. So I can't predict where I'm going to be three years from now or what my core message is going to be. I love that. And as a brander, it terrifies me, right? Because we like to put, we like to put people in, in a box and like nail them down. So here, but I do have a question for you. Okay. How do you monetize doing you? It varies based on what the project is, right? So, you know, I've been a public speaker now for 15 years. And so depending upon what I've taught, that gets monetized. But, you know, back uh, when I first started doing that, I was teaching people how to make money with Google AdSense. And so I had trainings around that and was getting paid to go speak on that. And then I got into social media early. So I wrote a book on Twitter called Twitter Power, which at the time was the top selling book on 
how businesses should use Twitter. And so that got me hired to go speak at Microsoft and other places to teach them all about you know, Twitter, and then there's the book sales, and there's the courses, and then I decided to make some iPhone apps, and, and that got monetized, you know, its own way through the App Store, and now I'm doing this cryptocurrency podcast, and we have sponsors for it. So monetizing me just means, well, what makes the most sense based on what I'm doing right now? I love it. Uh, but it does sound like what you're doing is you're finding this passion. You're letting your, 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 you know, your passions are driving your project. And then once you've got the project, you kind of go, all right, well, how am I going to make money doing this? Well, it, actually, let me, uh, I'm just thinking this through as you're saying it. My passions drive what I'm doing right? The action that right. I take, what I'm experimenting with. And my experiments either lead to, um, that wasn't a big deal to, oh, wow, that's really cool. Let's play with that some more. And, and if I continue down that road and I see that I have success with it and I'm having fun with it, then the monetization usually rears its own head, right? It's, it's like, oh, well, this is obvious what we're going to do with this. The show is popular. People want to be on the show, and this is where sponsorships come in. I love it. It's never, um, I'm going to create a podcast, and we're going to make money this way. I, I don't plan that far ahead. I'm good with t letting things happen, You know, letting serendipity take its place, taking a risk and seeing where I bring the value, and then trusting that the monetization will come. And it always does, which is why I'm horrible with business plans. Because I, you know, my plans never go the way I think they're going to go. But uh, you know, having that ability to um, to pivot quickly and to make decisions and go, oh, let's try that. Uh, a lot of people don't have the stomach for that, and that's the only way I know how to operate effectively. I love it, and again, you're talking to someone who, by nature, does branding and strategy. So I can I can feel myself getting nervous, but it's but you're like fascinating. Like I want to watch what's going on. So like I have a beautiful a train wreck. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, no, it's amazing. And I, and again, I really do think you're right. Not everyone has the stomach for this. You know, to be an entrepreneur inherently is willing to take risks and willing to try stuff out and willing to to see what lands and what fails. And not everyone has the stones for that. Yeah, I look at it this way. I don't have the stones to do what people who, who do it the other way do it, right? I don't have the stones to make a two, five, and 10-year plan to say, this is what I'm going to be doing for the next decade. And oh, here's my exit strategy. That to me sounds tedious and it sounds boring and it sounds slow and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't leave room open for the serendipity that I thrive on. And so, you know, we're all made differently. And I think there's a place yep. for, uh, for each of us to figure out what our own fun formula is and so uh, I don't. It, this is why I love Gary V. I love that he does him right. What he does is his fun formula. But I don't think anybody should try to be him. You're you're no. not going to succeed at being him because he's him. You have to figure out your own thing and trust yourself that what you're doing is true to you, regardless of what the voices out there tell you, regardless of conventional wisdom. Um, you know, the people who are exceptional um, in this life are not going to be doing what somebody else is doing. They're going to be blazing their own trail. And so uh, yep. I try not to listen to the voices from 
from others and I do what I think is going to be best. I love that that so much. You know, one of the things I say to my clients all the time is do you unabashedly? Like there is no, that is actually the best branding is for you to fully line up with who you are and not everyone's going to love you and some people are going to just be raving fans and that's, that is the best way to go. So you've, you've mentioned this, the fun formula and I know that you have a new book out called the fun formula so what i see is there behind you i know you guys can't see it but i get i get to, i get to look at his handsome face while we're doing this so tell everyone what the fun formula is well fun formula is my 15th book came out last year and it is the one that is closest to my heart and to who i am this is like what i want the the world to know about business and life and it came about when i reverse engineered my own successes and failures, of which there are plentiful failures to go along with those successes. And I discovered that this whole hustle and grind mentality is really just a fable. It's a fairy tale. It, and it's oh, my. You are preaching to the choir, my friend. That's what our whole message is about. Yeah, people, you know, you got to get up early. You got to stay up late. You got to work the weekends. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Be S. That is utter nonsense. Here's what I discovered. When I took that advice, um, not only did I at best have moderate success in business, but I burned out. And it affected me and my own health. It affected the relationships you know, of those around me and those that I cared about. And I uh, evaluated the, the big successes that I've had. And there's about, I'd say about seven or eight home runs that I've had in my career that are just, that really define um, what's made me successful. And each time it was not the hustle and grind. It was being curious. It was taking risks. It was trusting the process and waiting for the right timing. And they all came about with the least amount of effort. Now, if that happens one time, great. If it happens twice, you could say it's a fluke. But when you start to see a pattern, I, I looked at that and go, what is this that I do? And is this applicable to others. And that's what I've created in the fun formula. I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people who are doing this and having great success following their own fun formula. It's not mathematical, but there is a pattern to it. And so I would encourage anybody to go to funformulabook.com and, uh, and grab a copy. I think it'll inspire you. I love that. And, you know, I come at it from a little bit of a different perspective. Again, being a strategist, we say strategy is the new hustle, meaning really how and fun is a part of our strategy here. That's actually one of our core operating values at our company. It's, if it's not fun, we're not doing it yes. because life's too friggin' short. Right. Life is, and I've done the same thing. I, you know, I remember back in my early career being on the road for six weeks and doing 18 engagement, speaking engagements in six weeks. And like, I mean, literally, like I would rather at this point in my career, I'd rather poke a pin in my eye over and over again because it would be less painful. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. Like I, I am all about the, having the free time, being able to live my life, you know, creating business on my terms and helping my clients do, do that. And I am going to check this book out and I'm going to buy it for some of my clients because you know, I just, I think it's so important. I think that the messaging that culture gives us, um, is that money is the most important in materialism. And, you know, I, I live a lot 
leaner now than I ever have. I had the business with 38 employees. I'm a solopreneur again, and everybody I work with is either a partner or a contractor. I work at home instead of the office that I used to have. And, and don't get me wrong, we did some really cool things, and I'm grateful for that time and for the people that I worked with, but I'm much happier now. You know, I've made millions, and I've lost millions, and, and great. Money um, it takes you so far, but uh, honestly, people don't get to the end of their lives and go, I wish I had a few dollars more or I wish I worked more hours. Uh, it's all about the people and the experiences that we share. And so I try to live my life in a carpe diem fashion that, you know, what's today all about? Well, YOLO. <laughs> and it's so true. Life is short. And the older we get, um, hopefully the wiser we get and the more we see that, and uh, I'm definitely getting older. I hope I'm getting wiser, but I'm, I'm also not living the way that I used to live. You're like a brother from another mother. Same with, you know, when I started my career, I, I wanted to be like the little female Tony Robbins. And now I look at that business model and God bless him because that looks terrible. You know, my friends tease me because they're like, you literally like your house is like your compound. You have everything delivered. Everyone comes to you. You know, and I kind of like it like that, you know, you know, I'm not flying all over the place and doing a gazillion different things. And, you know, I had the huge house with the, you know, and I mean, not that my house is not, it's, my house is lovely, but I had the house with the ridiculous mortgage and the three luxury cars and all that shit. And I agree with you. No one's going to come to my, my funeral and stand over and be like, you know, she built one hell of a brand. Like no one is going to come there and say that. No, you know it's that's that's not what life is all. That's not what life is all about. And it sounds like you very much share that philosophy. Absolutely, uh, you got to carpe the DMs because life is short. You don't know when your time is, and so live yep. well, my friends. Yes. Uh, so I want to ask your opinion because one of the things that you have been such an amazing pioneer in is social media and. From the time that, you know, Facebook came out and we all started utilizing it into the, you know, transforming to the point when, uh, you know, we started being like, hey, you know, I think we can use this Facebook thing for business. You know, social media is just rapidly evolving. Where do you see social media marketing and new media going in 2020? Well, you know, first of all, what started out as um, a beautiful thing social media has really taken some some horrible turns and it's it's really sad to see because there's so much promise in it um uh, you know without getting de any deep into politics the social media culture the executives at the large social media giants have definitely taken a side and the, it's becoming orwellian in the way that they're censoring speech that they don't like not you know they're positioning it as speech that violates their terms of service but uh-huh very one-sided. It's obvious to anybody who's paying attention, and uh, if they're not, then you know you're cheering for, for uh, Orwellian type of, of censorship. And I've heard the arguments about you know these are are private businesses, uh, they're public companies, but they're privately owned businesses that can do whatever they want, and that's true. But there's incredible backlash that is starting, and I believe is going to continue. And it's time for next generation social media sites to rise up. Um, you know, there's already enough problems 
with, you know, Facebook taking our data and, and Twitter uh, banning people that they just don't like and YouTube demonetizing accounts that they don't like. Um, you cannot put all your eggs in these baskets. So I use the social media sites, but word. I use them in the purest form of the word. I am using you. I understand that you are using me as well, and I'm going to use you while it benefits me. But I know who my friends are. You're, you're, you know, you're in my phone. You're in my contact list. And if social media in its current form went away today, uh, my relationships would be fine. Yeah, there would be a lot of people who I don't know that wouldn't be able to comment or you know, my stuff anymore. There would be associates who I might bump into at a conference, but I'm not really friends with that I wouldn't encounter. Well, we did fine without that before. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with, you know, knowing all these people and using social media. But this is why I see blockchain as the next big thing in social media. And I don't think we're going to see 2020 as the year that it takes off. But I think we're going to see some new sites and some that might already exist that are jockeying for position to provide a value to people who want to use social media by giving them back their privacy, letting them own their own data, and not using them as cattle to sell stuff to, but actually paying them to see ads, right? Participating in this social process where it's not one-sided. Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, they make the rules and they make the money. And that's it. And they don't care about the individual user. And blockchain technology has the opportunity to to fix that. And there's already I'm I'm playing on social sites that you've probably never heard of, and I'm actually getting paid. Um, you know, there's there's one of them called Karma, that is a very Instagram like app. Only when I post on Karma, guess what? When people engage with my content and like it and comment, I actually make money. I actually get paid to do it. And it doesn't cost me anything but my time. I don't remember the last time Instagram paid me to post a photo. And not only that, but when we're signing up for their terms of service, we're giving them permission to co-own that photo with us. They can do whatever they want with it. They can sell that photo if they want to. Same with Facebook. Same with Twitter. You're signing a license that gives them ownership. You own your content, but guess what? So do they. And if they want to use you in a marketing campaign or for whatever there, you have no legal recourse. You know, it's interesting. I have been very vocal about my dislike of the term online business because I don't think there's such a thing. I mean, I think that there are some businesses that are online, like the truest, you know, e-commerce businesses that are truly online. But when we've got a lot of these entrepreneurs who are following these big gurus who are talking about like build your online business, it, what happens, you know, I just had this happen to a client the other day who all of her, all of her eggs were in the social media basket. She said something on, it was either, I think she said something on Facebook that was very benign. Facebook shut down her Instagram and her, and her uh, Facebook account for two months. No recourse. Nothing you could do. No, no recourse. She couldn't get answers. She was trying to call, you know, she was trying, she was trying everything in her power. She was reaching out to her network. Who do you know that's inside? Like it cost her hundreds of thousands of dollars because her, you know, she had all of her eggs in one basket. And I, I agree. Like, I, you know, I think that we need to look at 
going back to some of the, 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 the basics, you know, the relationship building, that's where, you know, when, when you and I started business, there was no social media. I mean, hell, when I started business in, in PR, I was stuffing press kits into actual folders and putting them in the mail right. to, to, get, to get them. I mean, I'm dating myself here, but we didn't, we didn't have that stuff. Like, it was exciting when we got email, right. <laughs> you know? No, it, and it changed. I mean, look, in, in, in social media, as uh, much as social has been good to me and it has been effective in reconnecting people, there are those who mm-hmm. use it in a healthy way. I'm going to make a statement that um, might be unpopular opinion, might not. I don't know, maybe others. Oh, you just you go there, Joel. That's what the Profitology Podcast is all about. I, I feel that as a culture, the net benefit of social media has been in the negative column. Um, I'm not saying people haven't built businesses on it and done very well. I'm not saying that some relationships have been created that are beneficial or some conversations have been worthwhile. I'm just saying as a culture, it has been more negatively on the net effect column uh, because especially for future generations, right? The kids that are, are using it now, they've never known anything else. And, you know, when they talk about it's harder to be a kid and grow up today, I think this is what, you know, we're talking about. So the issues that, you know, you would have in school with being bullied or judged by others, you know, when you were young before are magnified because it's now out there oh my for gosh, the whole yeah. world to see. And people think that this is, this is important. I mean, parents get your kids off social media until they're mature enough and odds are you Mm -hmm. might not be mature enough to use it either and because here's the deal right think about this kelly we were adults when social media came along and nobody there wasn't a previous generation to tell us well how do we use this how do we use it right people we had to figure it out as we go which means many people never even figured it out all you got to do is look at all the trolls and all the negativity and all the hate that is out there and go, these are adults. So how are we supposed to teach the next generation when we as a culture never figured out how to do it as adults? We can't. And I think it's destructive. um, And uh, it's very sad. And I wish there was a way to turn back the clock. Um, Personally, I don't remember a time before social media anymore. You know, I was reading an article last night on Newsweek, and they were talking about that that a study just, I think it was Newsweek, a study just came out uh, about Instagram stating that as a, they've done a study that there is a correlation to the influx of young women with eating disor- disorders as a direct relation to Instagram. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, I agree. It's like, I agree with you. Keep your kids off social as long as you possibly can. And then make sure that you monitor their usage. How, how do you see yourself using social media in 20 and using social media in 2020? Um, it's you know, the same thing I always do. I post what I want, when I want. I'm usually not very strategic about it. Um, I go through different, you know, spells of making a bunch of videos and not make, then not making any for months. I'm not depending upon one platform with my content. If I have something to say, I'll say it across 
multiple platforms. And um, I'm definitely leaning heavier towards blockchain-based social sites that are rewarding me for participating. Um, you definitely don't see the negativity and the trolling there as of yet. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do that it's... Um, you have to verify you are who you are. And so, you know, Twitter just reeks of anonymity and people being able to be horrible because they're hiding behind their keyboard. Verifying your account and who you are, who you say you are, um, those that would be emboldened are a little less courageous to be total asses. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, Mr. Mr. Joel, thank you so much for joining us today people want to check you out. They want to get the, the fun fact. They want to find out all things Joel because you guys should be raising fans of Joel. I have been for years. Where, where should they go? Uh, Joelcom.com is my website. Best place to find me or go anywhere on the socials at Joelcom. And that's where I will be. Fantastic. You guys, as usual, we will also have in the show notes on our site, Links to all of the amazingness that Joel is bringing to the world, including we will put in there his ka-ching button, which I'm getting myself, and his brand new book, The Fun Formula, which I will also be getting myself. So, Joel, thanks so much for being here today. And everyone, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Prophetology Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Prophetology Podcast. If you did, please share this show with someone that you know and help spread the word to your followers on social media. This is how we reach more entrepreneurs just like you around the world. Also, I'd like to continue the conversation with you about all things Prophetology. So please join me and your fellow Prophetpreneurs in our free Facebook group. You can find us at ProfitpreneurCircle.com. I frequently go live in our community to share tips, trainings, and innovative profit acceleration strategies, as well as resources that can help you accelerate your results in your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.